JB, I've got a little problem here, okay? I'm trying to get you up to this area or to any D3 game that I'm able to attend because everybody, where's JB? Where's JB? I've told you this how many times. I have an issue now. Apparently, D3 feels like they have to go to you, like you're the godfather of Division 3, so they have to come meet you in person. Yeah, kiss the ring. You got it. So <laughs> I'm, I'm looking on Twitter this morning when I woke up because I sort mm-hmm. of slept a long time after that Glory show, and I saw this. Yeah. Uh, could you explain what happened here? Well, hey, yeah. I mean, uh Dan Mulroney, the head coach of the Yamcats, is in town for a uh, kind of a recruiting, um, you know, football uh, camp thing that he's doing down here in Orlando. And he said, "Hey, let's let's meet up." So yeah, I got to meet some of the guys on his staff. We we're at the uh, the Rock and Brews near the Orlando airport, um, and we got a chance to hang out for a couple hours and, and shoot the breeze, celebrate the uh, ECFC championship, and their best season ever and so yeah it was it's a lot of fun and hey you know it was just a bunch of connecticut guys hanging out we had some waterberries we had you know some avon hartford area guys we were just you know shooting the breeze about you okay, know just wait. being from new england i've been to your place numerous times we've done shows from your kitchen among other places in your house okay the rock and bruise has not appeared on my list of places you've taken me are you like embarrassed to perhaps you know be seen with me or something Oh, come on, man. You know, just we, we had to find a place in the middle, and that was a perfect location. My old band used to play at the Rock and Brews on the other side of town. Um, but no, Frank, I, we, we've been seen in public plenty of times now. I, I don't think that's a big problem. Well, apparently we got some construction going on in my place here today. You can hear in the background probably. So this is going to be an interesting show uh, nonetheless. But, uh, yeah, yep. we'll, we'll, we'll make it through this. So in the meantime, JB will be doing a lot more talking, as I tell you, it's Season 14 of In the Huddle. Okay, we got a couple of seconds. I think I can talk. Uh, yeah, <laughs> welcome to my life. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, Coach Mulroney and uh, you at the Rock and Brews yesterday, you look like you didn't have too much of a fun night at least, so at least we got you here for the show. That, that's <clears throat> that's the good news here. Uh, so yeah, I made sure to at least pace myself somewhat so that I could be a little coherent today, yeah. But I did have a you know a reason for for celebration last night, other than having Dan in town. It looks like I'll be starting a new job in the new year, so I'll, I'll be excited about that. And um, you know, we'll, we'll keep the personal stuff to a minimum. But um, I'm I'm very excited to be a new chapter and uh, something I've been thinking about doing for a long time, and I'm I'm going in. So here we go. Well, I'll talk to you after the show then, because <clears throat> uh, we left out this discussion yesterday when I was sleeping all day or all night after the uh, Glory hey, show. Hey, you know what, though, Frank? I will say, you know, congratulations. That Glory show looked awesome. Um, you and Pat did a great job presenting, you know, this great slate of candidates. And it really kind of sucks that you have to chop it down um, from all these outstanding people to just only five finalists. But that's, you know, that's how these things go. Um 
you know, I thought the J club had some great choices, but there were a couple of things that I was a little disappointed in to, you know, if I'm being perfectly honest, maybe it's my, my regional bias about some stuff, but you know, you can't really complain, you know, when you have guys like Blaine Hawkins, like Jefferson Fritz, I think at this point, you know, those two are probably the the favorites if you had to, you know, to bet on it. But I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Zimbleman, Smith, or Kaminsky won at this point. They're all, I mean, you look at their statistics and they're like, I think uh, one of our friends used the word gargantuan. Um, <laughs> I mean, what these guys have accomplished on the football field is pretty amazing. So congratulations to them. You guys are all winners in my book, um, semifinalists and everybody. So uh, it's just, you know, that's just the process. And yeah, here we go. Yeah, let me uh, go through them real quick for anybody that missed them yesterday. I'm sorry about my voice uh, kind of cracking here a little bit uh, at the least opportune time, as always. Uh, but anyway. Playoffs. Yeah, exactly. What's going on? Good thing we're not doing anything this weekend. Uh, Gavin Zimbelman, uh, the senior quarterback from Aurora. Wyatt Smith, senior quarterback from Linfield. Andrew Kaminsky, senior wide receiver from North Central. Blaine Hawkins, senior quarterback from Central. And Jefferson Fritz, senior Defensive back, punter, punt returner from Mary Harden Baylor uh, are your five finalists. The Glardy Trophy winner will be announced on Friday, December 17th during the D3Football.com Stag Bowl pregame show. In other words, they're interesting me to open the envelope or something like that. Maybe I'll give that to Greg. Uh, Greg Thomas to open. We even have our friend Will Bellamy, I'm hearing, uh, popping in here, helping us out with some analysis. Quarterback from Union College uh, during that show, but mm. you will see... The All-America teams and also the Gilardi Trophy winner coming up on the 17th. Can't wait to do that. Um, so, look, Ian Blankenship, I, I wish he was on that list. I'm not going to lie to you. you. You brought it up. I'll go a step further yeah. uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, and I hope that we can get some more non-quarterbacks into the fold uh, in terms of semifinalists. Uh, I thought they missed a chance with Ian Barr, to be honest with you, from Westminster. His stats maybe didn't line up as well as uh, they could have necessarily if we, let's say, brought the spring forward uh, somehow. But, you know, some of the stats of the guys that got picked as finalists even, you look at them, you're like, well, these aren't huge stats. But then we were able to tell you, like, Kaminsky's, you know, touchdown reception numbers dropped a little bit this year, but we know why they dropped, and people had enough understanding of why yeah. to vote him into the finalist position. And that's great that they can see through that stuff. So I, I hope that we can help educate the J Club moving forward to help them get some more diversity in positions as well, because there were 12 quarterbacks, two wide receivers, and Jefferson Fritz, however you want to count him, ultimately uh, in that mix. And, yeah, the Heisman has that same problem, per se, of going a little too quarterback-centric. But, you know, more running backs, more offensive defensive linemen, more defensive players generally would be great to see. So that's the stuff we hope to work on moving forward. As you said, I think the National Player of the Year is in the finalist pool, uh, whoever that may be. So there's no slights here in that respect. It's just it would be nice to see a little bit more in terms of uh, diversity in both finalists and semifinalists. That's it, and you, it's it's an honor to be a part of it, and hopefully by being a part of it, they'll listen to us a little bit moving forward, too, on the best ways to handle this. Because John Gillardi, 
uh, as we said in the beginning of that show, a phenomenal man, phenomenal coach, phenomenal person generally toward the uh, people that he came in touch with throughout his life. So uh, he would love to see a diverse pool there. I know that, and that's the way we'll go with it. We have some of my finals coming up. And uh, we did not predict these games. We wanted to show the tail of the tape for both games. And we'll take them in the order that you see them on the screen. That is the order they will be run on ESPN Plus this weekend on Saturday. Uh, The first one at noon Eastern Time. The second one at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. You'll check your ESPN app especially. You can cast that in many cases to your screen or on Roku or uh, Amazon TV, I believe, you can, uh, or Apple TV, you can get the ESPN app as well and uh, don't have to cast it per se, just go in and speaking do it. Of, uh, speaking of casting, it's on the screen. Is there supposed to be something on the screen other than our mugs? Because I don't, <laughs> I don't see I didn't yet. put it yet, and so uh, here okay. it comes. Okay. I didn't yeah, forget. So here comes the first one. It's it's about presentation. It's about here's the big moment. <sighs> that's why you're the that's why you're you know the, the host with the most man. I'm just I'm like oh, the know about that. comedy guy. Let's 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 not lie about that stuff. Here is North Central at Mount Union. I keep you know what I keep tripping on this too because I keep wanting to say Mount Union yeah. at North Central and we talked about mm. it. It's it's still wrong and it's still tough to even swallow that for a lot of us at this point. But here we go. Uh, We will talk about this game. And uh, what jumps out at you when you look at this tale of the tape? Go go ahead and run down what you'd like to on this. Well, from the North Central side, the thing that really jumped out to me when I was actually manually filling this out was that their (laughs) rushing average went up by like over 100 yards uh, from 2019 to this year. Um, The fact that they have turned... I mean, they're still, I mean, it's almost 600 yards of total offensive game is, is unbelievable. Um, Mountain Union, not too far behind them, though. Uh, but this 310-plus rush yard per game total is a big difference um, from the kind of team they had when they won the national title back in, in 2019. And, you know, if you look on both sides of the, of the, of the ledger here, 59 yards allowed rushing, 53 yards allowed rushing, so... I mean, is this going to be a game where you pass to set up the run? Um, I mean, Luke Lennon is the youngest uh, quarterback in in the mix here. I mean, even Braxton Plunk listed as a junior. Really, this is his first year as a starter, so you could kind of say he's really more like a sophomore. Um, so they're you know younger guys um, in this big game, um, first time for them in a national semifinal game. And the other thing that sort of stood out to me, Frank, was normally teams that get this far in the tournament have way better turnover margin stats. Um, and maybe that's just because they're, they're slinging the ball a lot. And so there's more chances for interceptions or fumbles in the case of North central to occur because they're running so much. I just plus four and plus three are not typically, you know, you usually expect double digits to say that as far as turnover margin goes uh, for these teams. So, Something to look out for on Saturday could be a, a turnover or so, maybe two or three, depending on what happens. Um, both of these are great defenses. You can see the the numbers on the defensive side are almost identical. It's crazy. Like they're off by a few yards here and there. Um, so kind of a mirror image, um, ironically, and we'll see that in the, in the next game too. 
both of these teams have very similar statistics on almost every level. Um, the biggest difference, I guess you can say, is that, uh, you know, Plunk really is a, you know, he scores touchdowns through the air. Lennon has ran it in um, almost 10 times this season. So that's that's certainly an option and one that they might need to go to, um, depending on how the uh, Raiders defense plays them. One thing I'll point out, uh, if I if my memory serves correctly here, that Mount Union won minus three in the turnover ratio last weekend against Muhlenberg, two interceptions, and mm. the punt muff, which counts as a turnover uh, by uh, Union. So they were pretty much plus seven coming into uh, last weekend and then go to plus four. But, you know, you can look at that two ways. Uh, this is not the right time of year to be showing mistakes, uh, you know, special teams mm-hmm. or otherwise. And, the, you know, two interceptions will not cut it here. If you give the ball three times, plus three times to North Central, this is going to be an ugly matchup that we're going to be all saying is a 330 yeah. yet. Uh, if you play perfect football... You may still lose this game. You know, North Central is opportunistic. They can run it down your throats and keep running it down your throats and then, you know, top it off with a Luke Lanning throw for a touchdown. Or, as you said, he may run it himself. This is one of those where the team that absolutely needs to play perfect football out of these two, in my book, is Mount Union to win. But even Mm. that may not be enough if North Central, too, does not make mistakes on that field. So we'll see uh, where we predict these. But I did find these uh, numbers and uh, everything very interesting, to say the least. So there's game number one. Game number two, let's look at it in the big screen here, and that's Mary Harden Baylor at UW-Whitewater. Go for it. Well, yeah, once again, you know, very similar totals for both sides of the ball including you know when you break it down by by pass and by by rush um you know overall i mean obviously whitewater has been more successful in in the playoffs and in their in their history um with about looks like 12 12 more wins and, and certainly fewer losses over the years but you know 478 compared to 461, give or take. But what really stands out to me, Frank, is this. Look how even Mary Harden Baylor is. 244.7, 233.3, basically like 11 yards difference between passing and rushing. And so that balance is going to be something that they're going to have to strive for because as we saw in the Trinity game, when Kyle King struggled a little bit, I think he went 10 for 28 in that game, and his receivers just couldn't seem to – to get open as well, and and maybe he had a few um, you know, bad throws here and there. Uh, it, it it definitely affected their ability to score. And I mean, Kyle sort of like Lennon has the ability to throw the ball to get touchdowns. He can run it in. He's you know eleven rushing TDs. Um, both of these quarterbacks, though, um, Myler, you know they don't make mistakes. Only two interceptions on the whole season is really impressive. Um, you know, part of that is because they have such a great running game and that, that sets things up, uh, nicely for them. And so, yeah, I mean, overall, once again, kind of mirror, mirror images. I mean, the rushing defense for, um, Whitewater, a little more stout with 59 yards allowed, they allow a little more through the air. And so I think this is where, you know, when we talked with Kyle about, you know, Brandon Jordan and the one-on-one matchups on the outside, uh, those are going to be uh, a big deal um, about how, how far this game goes. And then turnover margin will definitely impact it as well. Um, 
plus 14 for, for the Warhawks is pretty strong, plus 11 for the crew is strong. The one statistic that we don't really have in here that could really factor into this game, though, Frank, is stuff that Jefferson Fritz, the Gallardi finalist, provides. You know, the, the field position with punting, um, his ability to return. There's several um, kick and punt returners on the Crusaders that could really change the the effect, you know, sort of the feel of this game with either a long return or, or, or some maybe like a fake punt. Um, you know, it's, I think you mentioned during the, the Gallardi broadcast, you know, Fritz having some rushing stats, and, and those are the times when he takes the ball on the punt and just takes off, <laughs> you know. Um, and that's a possibility in this game too. You know, once again, though, I, I see this as these are very evenly matched teams, even the numbers. I mean, what, like 18 more yards on offense for the crew, about – 30 yards less from defense allowed. So maybe the statistics sort of favor um, the Crusaders a little bit. But, you know, you look at, at Myler, 35 passing touchdowns, you know, they, and the defense is only allowing 59 rush yards per game. That's pretty impressive. I think the problem is, JB, that numbers can lie sometimes, and it depends yeah. on your competition along the way. And I, I think this is mm -hmm. where, unfortunately, for Mary Harden Baylor, the fact that the WIAC is the WIAC and the ASC is yeah. the ASC is the problem. And there are some strong teams in the ASC, but it's a question of depth from top to bottom. So, you know, mm -hmm. if you're playing in your own pool of teams, and they do pretty much their entire season except for one game, uh, you can generate stats that sort of tip the balance of this uh, scale a little bit in your direction. It's not to say that Mary yeah. Harden-Baylor is by any means puffing up their numbers it's just the reality of the situation whereas in the WIAC we saw some really wacky results from what we expected from some bottom level teams along the way that's a reminder yeah. oh yeah those teams the River Falls of the world are actually very you know power laden or experience laden teams that can bite you at any given day or yeah. any given minute so that's where the numbers, I think, are a little bit perplexing to me as to, you know, what to do here. How do you make this decision or how to use them when you're making a decision like this? So yeah. uh, it is our job I to have one more, do so. I have well, go one ahead. more stat for you. I have one more stat. I don't know if you're going to be able to see this. Oh, what is the weather? Saturday, yeah. Saturday's forecast in Whitewater, 80% chance of snow, low of 28. It's going to be... Might be some white stuff on the field for this game. It's not going to be as cold as it was in 2019, but for you guys out there, and I'll, I'm definitely one of them that likes watching when you turn the TV on and, and the, the field is white with little, you know, lines are out. I think we might get one of those kind of games on Saturday. I wonder if Kyle King will go sleeveless for this one or not. Uh, that'll be an interesting uh, call. You know, some quarterbacks won't wear sleeves no matter what because they feel like it inhibits yeah. their throwing arm. Uh, it's a little bit weird yeah. for their uh, normal feel like that. So, uh, okay, now let's go to uh, what we're about to, which is uh, the bracket to sort of show you again that on the left side, it's Mary Hart and Baylor at Wisconsin Whitewater. It's North Central at Mount Union. JB? Time to pick some games. I'm going to have you start in the left side of the bracket. Mary Harden Baylor at Wisconsin oh, Whitewater. Thank God there isn't a, a, a timer on this one because <laughs> I have been I have been struggling uh, with this one. So I will say this: at when the bracket was released, my 
you know, and I picked all the the teams. My stag bowl matchup was Mary Harden Baylor versus North Central. But after seeing Whitewater these last two or three weeks and seeing kind of what's been going on in the WIAC this season, and they're the home team, it's going to be cold and snowy, I'm starting to change my tune. Um, I, I want to pick the Crusaders because I feel like their offense has the opportunity to, to really challenge and maybe you know, do some things against the Warhawks that they haven't really seen. And there's some guys on that Crusaders um, defense that are, you know, pretty pretty impressive like you know Kevon Shepard who was my defensive player of the of the week for um, the quarterfinals but it just feels like with all the factors you know the Myler and McGrath etc I think this is going to be like a 17-14 whitewater win um, and it might boil down to the, the X factor for me is really the kicking game. And I think Maltonato, the kicker for Whitewater, has been more consistent and more reliable. And when it's 28 degrees and the ball is hard as a rock, he's going to probably be the um, you know called on at least once to to you know kick a, a pretty decent you know distance field goal. And he knows how to do it. I, I don't know if the guys from from Texas um, are are that prepared uh, for that, but. Yeah, this is it's a I, I could see it going either way. I think it's going to be a three point game, but yeah, I just it, it feels like there's too much in favor of Whitewater as the home team, particularly with the weather to, to pick against them. Yeah, and my statistics uh, situation that I was kind of bringing up earlier uh, foretells what I think is going to happen in this game to a certain degree. Um, the bodies of Wisconsin Whitewater, the experience behind those bodies, is a difference maker. Uh, the, and here's here's where I think the difference is. It's the offense right now. I think the balance of the Whitewater offense with the offensive line that they have is the superior force here. The defenses, I think, are actually very similar and could actually both clamp down here. I, so... Then you go to the offenses. Which offense is the better performing offense from top to bottom? To me, it is Whitewater's. And Alex Pete, no offense to Cormier, but Alex Pete is phenomenal. He's shown it in these playoffs through and through. And that balance between Myler and Pete and the rest of the running backs, obviously, for Wisconsin Whitewater is going to win this game in a close-fought game, as you're saying. My score, 21-17 in favor of Whitewater. I, I just think that that's going to be the difference maker. The defense for Mary Harden-Baylor throughout the playoffs has played well, even in that Trinity game that we pointed out back mm -hmm. in uh, the yeah. first round. Okay? So I'm not worried about that, but I just think that there's going to be enough of an edge for that Wisconsin-Whitewater offense to win this game, 21-17. Okay, right side of the bracket, North Central at Mount Union. Guess I have to go first this time, huh? Well, you don't have to if you don't want to, because, I mean, I've been pretty vocal about my opinion on North Central for a few weeks now. And like I just well, said. Let me, I, yeah, gonna... let me go first, and then I'll let you uh, okay. lay, uh, lay down the uh, <laughs> whatever you want to call it at the end of the day. Uh, I, I just don't see... Okay, here's here's how I'll take it from last or two years ago. 
North Central hopped into Mount Union and beat them in a ridiculous scoring game, you know, in the 110-point range, basically, between those two teams, if I remember correctly, at least 100 points. And everybody this year has been, yeah, but they've lost Brock Rudder. It's all over for North Central. And then this Luke Lehnan kid comes in. Kid, sorry, Luke, but I, I, just to use the, you know, stories and narratives I've been told. At, what, 19 years old, as Andrew Kaminsky points out to us earlier in the week. Yeah. And he hasn't done anything wrong. He's done a lot right for that team. In the meantime, North Central, knowing they had a little bit, maybe not downgrade, but less experience in quarterback, decided, hey, we're going to you know, go on our running game. We are going to give it to Greenfield and... Uh, who was it? Terrence Hill, was it? Uh, and all the other guys we have. And we are going to become a more balanced offense because we have the players to do it. And guess what? They did it and did it well. So they've, that allowed Lanin to really mature, be mentored by guys like Kaminsky, etc. So if the question ultimately is, well, you know, they can't do it again because they lost Brock Rudder. Brock Rudder's going to be the first one out there to tell you, yeah, go ahead and think that, folks, because this team has retooled at quarterback and has also played to their strengths where they knew they had them. So if that is the only concern about repeating this game from 2019 to 2021, and I'm not even looking at the fact about Union, whether they're up or down on that, North Central should win this game. Now let's look at Mount Union. The mistakes last weekend were like, what the heck is going on here? This isn't the team from Alliance I know in the playoffs, okay? Yeah, they're still winning the regular season games by 60, 70 points in some cases. I get that, folks. That They're still an elite team. Absolutely. But now when we're at this level, we have to ask ourselves, well, getting a minus three turnover ratio and still winning, granted, okay, that, that is a feat right there. But... The minus three in the first place, how did that even happen? And what what can you do about that this late in the season if these mistakes are that prone to happen? And so I don't see this Mount Union team being the same Mount Union team from two years ago. I really don't when North Central beat them in the first place. I think there's a slight drop, slight, enough to say that North Central wins this game 37-24. Hit it. Well, I'm sorry I was kind of sitting here cracking up because I'm on this text string with Nate Milne and Dan Mulrooney. Um, and, of course, Coach Milne is just roasting Dan like nobody's business about his, you know, being out in public wearing a T-shirt with his name on it. Um, it's, I'm really trying not to lose it here. <laughs> These guys are great. Oh, man. I love, I, I love the D3 coaching community. Yep, there it is. You know, he's putting on his camp. He's got to, you know, put put the brand out there. And, of course, Milne is just locked in on it and just tooling him relentlessly. Oh, it's just hysterical. You got to love the, the D3 coaching fraternity. But <laughs> back to what we're here to do. Back to the semifinals. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, I've been saying for a long time, you know, I think North Central is going to repeat as champions. Um, they just seem to be the most – complete team. Um, and with, you know, the combination, you know, I think initially I was thinking this would be like a 55 to 35 kind of thing, but with both Petricelli 
and Greenfield, this game could just become a, a, a maybe a lower scoring, you know, teams just pounded each other with the run and then they try to go over the top with a pass here and there. So I feel like with this game may not end up being the shootout. I mean, you see the offensive statistics, which are ridiculous. Like both teams are averaging almost 600 yards of offense a game. I think in this game though, it's not going to be a 59 to 52 shootout. I feel like it's going to be probably more like a, like you were saying, like a 35, 24 or 35, 27 kind of game where the team that has the ball last has a chance to you know punch in the go-ahead score. So I, I still I'm going to stick to my gun, stick with North Central. Um, but I have a feeling that the Raiders are going to make it interesting, and um, it's going to be tough for NCC to, to get out of alliance with the win. But I think they'll ultimately do it. Also, we want to bring uh, awareness uh, to a story that. Uh, you had uh, pushed over to me, and I donated. I'm not sure if you did or not, uh, ultimately. But uh, fill in, folks, on uh, what you saw there uh, with uh, the Linfield story at Mary Harden Baylor uh, from this week. Yeah, um, unfortunately, there was a, there was a player um, on the Linfield team that um, during the course of the game suffered some types of internal injuries, and he was on the sideline, and they were you know keeping an eye on him and. After the game, since he was still wasn't doing or, or feeling very well, they rushed him to the to the emergency room out there in in Texas, and I guess he's been stabilized. But you know, he's been in the ER for a few days now, and so um, the he's sorry, he's out uh, at this point. They did release him, so uh, that is the good news. Awesome. Brock Klosterman uh, is uh, released at this point after what thirty nine thousand dollars, maybe forty thousand dollars raised on a GoFundMe for him. Uh, let me let me elaborate, too, on a couple of things that I read. I'm not sure if you saw this. Uh, UMHB's uh, president, uh, Dr. O'Rear, actually delivered Chick-fil-A and milk, uh, food and milkshakes uh, to them. The athletic director uh, nice. delivered lunch one of the days to the family. Uh, the uh, alumni uh, club uh, essentially had all pe- kinds of people offering uh, you know, local families uh, saying, hey, if you need anything, blankets, anything, just let us know, places to crash or anything else, because obviously you don't plan on staying in Belton, Texas for, you know, more days than what you would figure no. your stay to be. Uh, so the community of UMHB, give them credit. Um, it seemed like the, there was a common uh, link of uh, being close to God uh, for these uh, two family, the family and obviously the UMHB family. And so uh, mm-hmm. You know, you drop the rivalry and you see your commonalities in moments like those. And it was really, really impressive to see the response and the family also embracing that response and making sure folks knew that the UMHB yeah. family became part of their family for a few days. Um, they will still face a lot of uh, uphill battle. Uh, he has to still take it easy and make sure his uh, vitals stay where they are after all the uh, drugs that they use to get him stabilized uh, subside. Uh, so mm-hmm. hopefully he can do the things he wants to do down the line. Uh, but uh, to Brock Klosterman and his family, uh, we you know hope that everything does go well. Keep us updated, please. Uh, and yeah. uh, for those looking to uh, give, uh, just go down to my, uh, I think it's near the top of my Twitter uh, page and you'll see uh, the re- retweet I did of the GoFundMe and more information available there as well. Maybe JB can uh, retweet it uh, one more time just for those that yeah. want the updates because the updates are on the GoFundMe page there. 
Okay, JB, uh, we have predicted the semifinals. I will tell folks that we will have a show next week, probably from uh, Canton, Ohio, uh, when I get out there on Wednesday. And it will be a little less coverage from the uh, in the huddle side. Uh, let me just tell everybody that putting a show like yesterday's together is not easy. And also the show before that, a day before that, with the four, quarter fi- or four semifinalists, uh, as you uh, help put that together a lot too, not easy as well. So we're going to take a little bit of a breather this week and let ESPN do their thing. Uh, we'll still be tweeting. We'll still be covering this game and talking about it and everything else. And uh, we'll, uh, you know, I've got actually an idea. We may do an impromptu little uh, thing tomorrow for one of the games. If you're around watching it and I'm around watching it, and I know other people that might be around watching it, we might do a little Coach's Clicker uh, discussion uh, during the game. If, uh, who are you going to be? You're going to be Eli, and I'm going to be um, Peyton? Peyton. Is that what we're going to do, Frank? <laughs> well, I don't know. Uh, duh, I, uh, come on, Peyton. <laughs> Did I really just my, do that, is my, for, is my forehead big enough? I, I don't think so. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, and I need to take some HGH. We're not going to promote this too hard, folks, but we may try to do it. So, uh, you know, stay tuned, and uh, we'll have it on our Twitter feeds what we end up doing with it. So, until... This weekend, have a great Friday. Enjoy the football Saturday. I'll see you from Canton no matter what on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And this season's almost over, folks. This calendar year is almost over. 2021, it's been an interesting one. Better than 2020 for sure. But uh, I think we could all use a little bit of celebration and break right now. We'll see you soon.